Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Welcome to Upfront. I'm Chloe Morgan. And I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. The Spain national team's boycott has come to an end. We discuss all the latest after a huge step forward thanks to relentless pressure on the Spanish Football Federation. In the same week, that saw Megan Rapino finally retire from international stage. Uh, we reflect on those players' pioneering role. Elsewhere, the first ever UEFA Nations League is underway and England and Ireland have got off to winning starts, even if we don't quite know what all that means. And after the announcement of Maddie Cusack's death shocked the football world last week we pay tribute to Sheffield United's history maker right Rach obviously at the back end of last week's show we asked everyone for their upfront name uh, suggestions I mean what, what are we kind of thinking about this because there's been some really fruity suggestions come through I mean what are your favourites been um, I have a favourite that I'll get to because I think I think it's the one. Okay. Um, but I want to shout out to Ronald Webster who sent me a very detailed email. Uh, he listened to the show, which he really enjoys. So thank you for that. Um, and he put it into uh, Google AI to find out, you know, what the best names are for us and for our Oh, he went chat GPT listeners. on this. We got loads. We've got like the upfronters, <laughs> the upfront squad, the upfront army, and the upfront tribe. Mm. Um let me see, the Mavericks, the Dreamers, the Believers, there's loads. It's hard to choose, um, you know, to choose from that long, long list. But I have to say, I'm very impressed with the amount of work uh, that Ron went to. So thank you very much, Ron. And thank you for the email. Um, the winner, I think, for both of us came from BBC's own Robin Cowan, voice of the women's game. Um, and she suggested that we call our loyal band of listeners the Close Sullivans, which nice. I have to say... <laughs> Gold. I love. It's great. So listeners, you are now hereby anointed as the Close Sullivans. It's a bit of a mouthful, but so are we. So um, I think it, it works beautifully. <laughs> Thank you so much for that, Robin. I mean, we tried and failed to come up with anything sort of near the quality and gravity of that name. So um, going forwards now, I am very, very happy you know, to be having such a such an incredible label actually attributed to the show. So thanks always for your suggestions. Really appreciated. But let's get stuck in, Rach. I mean, it's been, a, I keep saying this, I feel like I'm having deja vu. It's been another bloody big week for women's football. Um, the Lionesses obviously walking away with the points this weekend. Um, not the most convincing of wins. Uh, Rach, I mean, obviously England beat Scotland 2-1 to pick up their first win in the new Nations League tournament. Um, you are on the way going to Utrecht to cover the next Lionesses game. Where are you currently? I, I can, can see some very interesting curtains behind you. It's hard to establish where, in fact, in the planet you are. Trying to keep it sus. No, I'm back in Ireland. I was at the um, game at Sunderland. Uh, just about made it. Thank you, Reiner, for that um, unnecessary stress. Uh, and then back the following morning for a very historic day in Dublin to see Ireland take on Northern Ireland at the Aviva. So it's been a great weekend for me. Um, 
the England game, first off, do you know what? Like, I don't think England were as bad as it's kind of been made out to be. I think sometimes we expect them to just be unreal all the time. Otherwise, it's not good enough. And it's like, but that's a good expectation. Winning. But they're still winning. Like, it's like the World Cup. They didn't have their best games. Still got to the bloody final. So, um, you know, I think there is an element. I think we saw it across some of the Nations League results, um, you know, that teams are looking a little bit fatigued, you know, bearing in mind that the last international break was just over 30 odd days ago. Just 30 back when this happened was like 32 days previously was the final of the World Cup. The season hasn't even started and we're back into a bloody international break. Um, So I think, yeah, there's, you know, teams understandably who went far in that competition don't look 100%, um, aren't as maybe sharp as we'd expect them to be. England, I think, struggled in the second half. Ireland struggled in the first kind of 30 minutes. So like we're seeing it. And, you know, I think... The Spain-Sweden game is another one to look at. You saw Germany fall 2-0 to Denmark. Not that Germany had a particularly good World Cup, but you get what I'm saying. I think there was just some unexpected results and maybe, you know, maybe just ease off the expectations a little bit for England fans. They won. That's the main thing. I thought they came flying out of the blocks. Um, That first half, really enjoyed it. Really impressive. Unlucky to have goals ruled offside. I thought that um, that goal that was ruled offside for Chloe Kelly being in the way of the keeper was dubious um, and the idea that that was seen in real time makes it even more dubious <laughs> I just can't get my head around that I actually agree with that decision to be fair do you I think uh, because she's impeding the view of the goalkeeper she is obviously an active part of the game so I can understand and obviously you don't have VAR so but I do think that was probably the right call okay well we can agree we can agree to disagree we'll hear That's from the close Sullivan fine. soon on that I'm sure the close Sullivan's um, can let us know absolutely but I've got to agree with you I think the first half was definitely I mean the first 25 minutes was like it felt like the Euros all over again it was kind of fluid passing everyone seems to be on the right page and little I, I cheeky back heels like cheeky oh my little god back heels. yeah Lucy Bronze doing bits in the box little Cruyff turns that kind of thing and um, I mean I thought she had an outstanding game I think she was causing absolute havoc on the wings there was sometimes I don't think she the communication was always correct she was sort of going inside which he should have done an overlapping run or vice versa and but I did think that was and the Mary Epps save I mean the Caroline Weir shot in in the first half what 20-25 minutes in or so point blank range and Caroline Weir got her absolute hoof on that I don't know what the speed of that was because obviously they don't have all the stats and stuff fly up like the like the, the, the Women's World Cup but it was an app. I mean, you could see Mary Epps was holding her hand afterwards and it takes a lot to hurt that keeper. So yeah, it just, um, it, it, it was a good first half, but I think the second half, they definitely looked flat, definitely looked fatigued. And I think there were moments there that Scotland could have potentially walked away with the draw. So I think in those situations where you come out of the blocks the way England did and don't capitalise on all your opportunities... It's almost like the momentum swings the other way then. And suddenly Scotland were coming out going, you know, there's a game here. Like we can absolutely get something from this. And I think, yes, Lucy Bronze had a good game, but she leaves so much space down that wing when she's cut, when she gets caught out. And it happened once or twice. And that was where a number of Scotland's opportunities came from, was down that side where the space was left. And only for poor finishing and not being clinical enough did they not get a goal in that first half and so I agree though I did you know Lucy Bronze I got so many shots of her in the first half because she she was nearly one who had the most chances on goal Um, but yeah I think the momentum massively swung the other way in the second half and and Scotland were pushing up much more and putting them under way more pressure and I do think England sat off it was almost like they'd said we scored four goals in the first half let's let's sit off and ease back still got work to do guys still (laughs) got to keep it up (laughs) but I think um, it was quite interesting also to see Rachel Daly return sort of the upfront 
front row. Obviously, like she was sort of in in about obviously at the uh, the left back role during the, the World Cup mainly, and then sort of you know going into this kind of like wing back type situation and pressing on. I mean, she obviously loves to progress up the field, so it was quite nice to see her return uh, up front like properly. She, she, I think she had a really good game trying to whip in those crosses, but again, it didn't feel like we really got the on the end of them, which wasn't great for us. It was sort of something we kind of saw on the World Cup a little bit. Um, but also, massive shout out to Scotland. I thought they had put in an absolute shift. They clearly wanted to do the business against us, and I don't think anyone would have been that out of sorts had they walked away with a point in that game. Massive, massive shout out to Kirsty Hansen, who I thought was absolutely mm. killer. I mean, every time she got the ball, she was making 50, 100 yard sprints up the pitch, very direct. I think England really struggled with that in places, uh, and they were lucky. I think there was a couple of whipped in balls that they had in that kind of disgusting little no man's land in between the keeper and your defences, they're running back. That just had it got like a big toe on the end of it, it could have been a completely different game. So, massive shout to, to Kirsty Hansen. Um, but yeah, another big piece of news coming out of that game was obviously the fact that the Lionesses have finally agreed a vague bonus with the FA. Um, the players aren't really giving too much away in terms of what has been agreed. Obviously, it's been an ongoing discussion they had since before the World Cup. We're also trying to sort of figure out what the situation is with like back pay of bonuses and how the bonus situation sort of looks going forwards, obviously going into the Olympics next year, the Euros the year after, sort of how the bonus structure is going to be. But it does feel like we're sort of there's a lot coming out of the World Cup that was initially quite bad, but we are making progress. And obviously we'll talk about Spain in a little bit. But yeah, I mean, to me, I just want to find out more information about what's, what's going on and how much they've agreed. I mean, I'm saying nothing short of a million. In fact, a billion would be um, you know, for making it to, to England's first World Cup final since 1966. I think, you know, pay the players what they're worth. Put your hands in your pockets, FA. Absolutely. It's about time and it shouldn't really have had to come to this. Um like a bonus by definition is a sum of money added to a person's wages, a reward for good progress. It's not like, oh, well, you've already got your wages, so you don't need the bonus anymore. It's not, it's not how it works. Um, so the fact that they agreed it, and I think coming back from being in a World Cup final gave them even more um, bargaining power. Uh, so it's about time. And I think according to the Telegraph as well, they also want to negotiate a longer term deal that sets in place arrangements for what percentage of commercial deals the players will receive in the future, um, which is really good as well because they are hugely commercially valuable to the FA. Um, so that's another important area that they need to expand on. And, and as Lucy Braun said, kind of leading the way because it's it's setting, it's not just about them. And I think it's important to note that they're not just doing it for themselves and their own bank balance. They're doing it to have a proper professional structure in place for future generations coming through that they don't have to fight these battles. And it's the same with what's going on in Spain, which I know we'll get onto. Well, also quite a nice way for Sue Campbell to announce her retirement as well. It sort of seems like, you know, she's kind of wrapped up the World Cup. You know, we got to a final Euros last year. We sorted out the FA bonus situation and Sue could finally finally take some time to herself I mean what a career that she's had with the FA trying to do the absolute business and you've seen how much the women's football has grown obviously it's the FA has always come under criticism for not doing enough or not taking it further or whatever it is but ultimately you can't deny the progress that has has been made and a large part of that has been down to the likes of Kelly Simmons who is obviously stepping down from her role and also uh, Sue Campbell but I think obviously this is a very interesting year for the league um, you know there's obviously this kind of transitional period where you know the WSL seems to be sort of you know new codes kind of uh, chugging along in the background and there's you know sort of various hiccups and think challenges I think we'll find out a little bit more about as the league progresses you've got sort of big investment potentially being made with this um, Mercure 13 or whatever it is with um, you know any Aluka 
Nico and uh, Maggie Murphy and potentially Lewis being sort of a part of that that program as well. And then also this big FA sort of stand down from some of the people that have been a big part of um, of the progress. So it's going to be a very interesting, interesting year, I think, a very interesting time for, for the WSL. But even tonight, obviously, you've got England playing the Netherlands. Uh, Serena Bigman's returned to her old stomping ground. That's going to be a really interesting game for her. Obviously, very nostalgic. But also, you know, her, her loyalties have completely changed now. So it's like, OK, well, whatever happened in the past, I've got, I've got to focus on today. Before we step into the Spain situation, Rachel, I've obviously got to give a little bit of a shout out to your gals. He did the business this weekend. Uh, Republic of Ireland walking away with the points against uh, Northern Ireland 3 nil uh, at the first ever match at the Aviva Stadium on Saturday Katie McCabe I mean Jesus Christ and also Lucy Quinn absolute worldy goal um, mm. yeah I thought she was incredible uh, record crowd was 35,944 people turned up for that game Tyler Toland uh, walking away with the play of the game she's only is it 18, 19 years old? I think so, yeah. Um, and, and of course had been kind of, if you like, banished under Vera Powell. So she sorry, was she's 22 back. years old, but she was banished. I think, or she'd stopped, at 19. Um, stopped playing yeah, for them at, at 18, 19, yeah. I'd say banished is a strong word, but yeah, didn't kind of get on with Vera Powell and, and never really got called up again. And there was a whole kind of media furore around that because I think her dad got involved. And anyway, water under the bridge now, called back in by Eileen Gleeson. And we were all kind of wondering, um, I was on another podcast off the ball talking about whether, whether would she get played, would she get minutes, what can we expect from her? Not only did she start, but she walked away with player of the match. So um, really stamping her mark uh, on the team. But yeah, great performance. As I said, took them a little while to get into it. Took them maybe half an hour to really find their feet. Um, but yeah, a really strong performance. You know, to, for kind of comparison, the previous record crowd was something like 7,500 um, at Tala. And now they've nearly beaten that fivefold uh, at the Aviva, which is incredible. So hoping that the FAI capitalise on that and kind of should Ireland progress out of their group, which I would expect them to top the group, you know, in the next phase of the Nations League against big, bigger opposition, I'd hope to see some more matches at the Aviva because the appetite is absolutely there. Well, I thought it was an absolutely killer performance and I agree. I mean, Toland was, I mean, McCabe can't get player of the match every single game now. And I think she... Kira Caruso was great. Lucy yes. Quinn was also great. Lucy Quinn was absolutely outstanding. But yeah, it was nice. I think it felt like a nice comeback for Tyler too. I think it was a debut game that she made against Northern Ireland when she first started under Colin Bell. So um, yeah, it was good to see her sort of walk away with, with that. And there was a nice little uh, photo of her with her, Emma Byrne just giving her a cheeky little hug as well. So I thought it was quite cute. Um, but yeah, they face, uh, they travelled to Hungary today after beating uh, Northern Ireland and so we'll wait and see what that game brings. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. 
Right, Rach, Spain, okay? Head in the game again, because last week, we obviously talked through what was happening with Spain, and we said to you guys, we said to the Chloe Sullivans, all right, by the time this podcast comes out, I mean, it comes out within like a few hours, really, of us recording, by the time it comes out, the situation's already moved on. Situation's already changed. What we said before doesn't matter, doesn't exist. It's a completely different reality. So obviously there's a lot's happened uh, since last time we spoke to you guys last week. Last Wednesday, the Spanish team finally reached an agreement with the R. F-E-F, the Federation, uh, that ended the boycott. Apparently, it was a meeting that lasted around nine hours, ended at about five o'clock in the morning. Uh, it was between senior members of the squad, Alexi Puteas, uh, Irina Paredes, and Monse Tome, uh, and the Federation. It was obviously keeping them up all night. We didn't know whether we were going to see them face uh, Sweden. Uh, we didn't know what the situation was going to be two days later, turn up, whether they were going to turn up to the game, what, whether they were going to forfeit, what, what was going to happen with the points situation, their chances in the Olympics. It was all kind of very chaotic. But they decided uh, in the morning that they were going to stay um, and they were assured that changes were going to happen. So at this point, the, F- the Federation had issued an apology and admitted that finally change was necessary. Uh, Andrew Camps, the uh, Federation Secretary General, was sacked immediately. And then the Director of Integrity, Miguel Garcia Caba, followed on Friday. Then... The players turn up to the game uh, against Sweden. Obviously, they have this beautiful collective uh, message, uh, beautiful banner between uh, both of the teams saying it's over. Uh, and there was a standing ovation. Obviously, the players coming out from the tunnel for their training. Uh, I think they looked very incredibly surprised at kind of the reception that they were they're receiving from the crowd. Uh, and again, we saw the same thing with uh, with England uh, and also Scotland, players wearing the, uh, the the wristband as well, saying it's over, uh, which is absolutely beautiful as well. So a lot of solidarity, I think, in the women's football community for, for what's going on. But yeah, Rach, what's your kind of take on how things... There's still a lot of uh, things that we still don't really know. I mean, the Spanish Federation changed their name as well they sort of took out the women's part and i kind of felt weird timing it it just felt like okay we've made all these like really big look at us we're not misogynists anymore yeah and then we just do something really fucking minor and just take the name women's out of this and i'm like okay is that is that what the whole nine hour meeting was like what what's what's happening here um yeah what's your kind of take on where this all goes now i think it takes a lot of bravery for the players to agree to play and to believe the Federation, because it's not like they've given them much to believe in the past. Um, so that makes me feel like the the conversations must have been very positive and a lot must have been agreed because I just don't see them kind of bowing down to the Federation, given they'd come so far. Um, I can understand why Mappy Leon and Guerrero maybe didn't partake. I think they probably, you know, of the players that have suffered and given up so much, they are two that have missed out on the greatest thing to, to happen to that team due to their kind of stance on everything. And I, th- I can understand why mentally they probably weren't in the right place um, to, to play in this international window. I mean, they'd literally just been strong-armed into coming to camp to now suddenly be expected to just turn around and, and agree to everything in place. So I can understand that. Um, it's about time. Uh, and I think Alexi Pateas, you know, she was speaking about how there needs to be zero tolerance for what the world saw um, zero tolerance for the things which haven't been seen because they weren't live. And we cannot talk about them because there's an ongoing legal procedure. So read into that what you will. She said the, the system failed, the federation failed and the country failed. So strong words. And I think, yeah, they're not they don't they're not the kind of players to just sit back and allow this to be swept under the rug. So it's, I guess, a positive sign that they've agreed 
um, and they went on to to beat Sweden as well, which I'm sure helped. Um, but yeah, it's it's not over yet. I don't think. I mean, Pateas has said that she hopes that there's there's going to be a time before this and a time after this, and that this is going to be a massive changing in not only their federation but society as well. Um, so yeah, powerful stuff, uh, and great to see that kind of wider support across the women's game. But I would expect nothing less. I think it's. Um... I think it was made all the more, uh, the gravity of the day seemed to increase so much more because the fact they won, despite everything that is going on, all the things that they have been through this past five or six weeks, they still managed to grind out the win. And I think that is just testament to the talent, in the pure talent in that squad. Um, the fact that you've had this new manager come in, your old manager's been sad, so that you've been fighting these massive battles, you've got a criminal investigation going on, um, you're fighting for all these changes in different departments across the commercial marketing, um, integrity to integrity you're actually getting some of these things come through you've got you know the player who made the complaint in the first place being kept out there's got all these things going this whirlwind this absolute toxic whirlwind of shit flying around the team and you still walk away with that win and you you still come out to this beautiful stand ovation and teams around the world showing their support i just think that is massive credit to the women's football community and then but like the way the game went the narrative behind that so i think ericsson scored the first goal for sweden <laughs> of all players to score for spain Del Castillo. <laughs> Just thought like of all players, she scores. Then Spain go 2-1 up. And then who comes on to equal it for, for Sweden? Lena Bloody Hurtig. Who else? So she, you're just like, and then Spain obviously got the winner. Um, Ilstad, I think it was, was sent off in like the 90 plus minute and it was a penalty. Um, so yeah, quite a, I think just around the game as well. It's just, it's just quite funny for, for it to happen that way. Um, but yes, what you said is absolutely right. Um, and I'm, in, you know, interested to see how this carries on. It's just to do all that and then just beat the, the FIFA ranked number one team in the world. I'm just like, okay, cool. Another another challenge accepted for the Spanish women's national team. And also, like, it always makes me laugh every time Lena Hurtig does something amazing. Like, I just remember that game uh, with her. Is it the Gothenburg? The, um, not the, Goth- the uh, Wolfsburg game where she came on and we gave her so much shit. <laughs> We didn't give her shit. We just said she didn't have a great game, which we're allowed to do. It's yeah, fine. she did. And now she's out there absolutely bossing it. It's like she's listening hero. to the hero pod. Hurtic. I'm guessing that she probably doesn't sit in the fan base of Chloe Sullivan's if she does listen to the pod, given that podcast previously. Look, if we but... lit a fire, then, you know, you're welcome. Yes, yes, we do. That is the purpose. We inspire on this podcast. Talking of inspirational role models, see what I did there? On the subject of pioneers, Megan Rapinoe brought the curtain down on her international career, just a billion years long, that career span, on Sunday as the USA beat South Africa 2-0. I love that brought the curtain down because they bloody love an encore, do the Americans. You know, you think (laughs) they're finished, but no, they're still here. We've got a couple more games left. 100%. We'll see you at the WSL next. Next year, uh, she clocked up 203 caps and 63 goals. And of course, she won two World Cups. Not a bad career. Um, I mean, I kind of see her after she's actually finished her career career, going on to do something in the media, you know, presenting, probably, you know, co-presenting with Ellen DeGeneres or something like that. I just, she's not going to be, she's going to be more on That is the funniest screens. way I've ever heard Ellen DeGeneres' name pronounced. Do that again. <laughs> Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> Was that what I said? Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> Ellen DeGeneres. It's like Ellen DeGeneres. Ellen DeGeneres' sister. She's she's from uh, South America, actually. <laughs> I just don't say her name that often. It just never comes Who does? up. Yeah, Fair I don't, don't know why I need to embarrass myself like that, actually. It didn't need to be said. But I think Megan's going to just go off and have like a two-year holiday. 
Do you reckon? I would highly recommend. Yeah. Just sit down for a while. No. <laughs> just be I, just, I don't see it. I feel like she's got like, there's just boundless energy coming from this woman. Like she's stopped this massive part of her career, but the next thing is going to be like owning her own talk show, you know, I don't know, like presenting on Fox Network or something like that. She's going to, she'll be more on our screens post her career than she has done this like this side of her career and i just yeah there's a certain group of americans who are going to absolutely hate that (laughs) (laughs) i can imagine i can imagine i know she does great people up the wrong way sometimes but we can't get over the fact that she's been an incredible role model an absolute hero and a trailblazer for women's football On Friday, we were all shaken, absolutely all shaken, uh, by some really upsetting news. Um, Sheffield United midfielder Maddie Cusack passed away at the age of 27. Um, she'd been with the club since 2019 and become the first female player to reach 100 appearances. Um, I think we were all just devastated. Mm. When the news came in, um, it just wasn't anything that anyone really expected to be dealing with that that night I think um for me it, it came as a bit of a personal shock um you know I, I can't say that I was you know personally really really close to, to Maddie but she was someone that I'd played against a fair few times in, in the championship and you know she was always one of those players I think um when you're obviously doing the lead up to you know Sheffield United games any game you sort of do the analysis and you're sitting in the room as a classroom and you're you know talking about the key players and who's going to be doing what and who's the ones to watch and, and what kind of threats everyone poses and she was always one of the players that, you know, was a thorn, a bit of a thorn in our side. She'd always be kind of, you know, we've got to watch out for Maddie. We've got to, you know, be be aware of what she might do in these situations, what she might do for set plays, what what kind of, um, you know, position she's going to be in. I think, um, you know, we always had a lot of respect for her as a player, you know, playing with Palace, um, you know, last couple of years. Um, she was always sort of on our radar as one of those, um, one of those ones to watch. And I think... Um, you know, speaking to, you know, a couple of like people in and around sort of the champ of the WSL and obviously seeing the kind of massive support that, you know, the, the teams have been displaying both in the WSL championship, international level, across the Premier League and the, the men's championship as well has been incredible. And I think everyone's sort of come together and, and hopefully rallied around each other because it's just, um, it, it's not it's not news that any anyone wants to hear. Um, it was something there'd been obviously plenty going on online, plenty of stuff to be talking about around women's football. And then that news broke. And it just, it, it was almost like it sucked the energy out of just everything. Everyone was just absolute sucker punch. Um, and then came just this outpouring of love and, and sadness around what had happened. And it just kind of showed how many people she'd touched across her career, um, which I think says a lot about a person. Um, but yeah, the sadness was uh, was very, very clear um, from the women's football community. And I think the way it was kind of honoured before the England game as well. They did a minute silence. And honestly, like I don't think I've ever experienced a minute silence quite so beautifully um, carried out. You could hear a pin drop. Um, so yeah, I think it, it really has touched the whole community. And I think she will absolutely be fondly remembered. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, when you look back at her career, obviously she spent such a long time at, at Sheffield United and the, the majority of the tributes were obviously coming from, you know, the players and, and I can't even imagine what they all must be going through. So, uh, you know, from up front and all of us here, we absolutely send all of our love, support and thoughts um, with you at this time because it's, um, yeah, can't even imagine how, how difficult it all must be for, 
for you guys. Um, and yeah, I think um, we could only pay tribute to, to how amazing her, her career has been, spanning not just through Sheffield, but also, you know, with Aston Villa, um, Birmingham City, Leicester City as well. So, you know, there was a lot of clubs there that she was a part of and, you know, always going to be a massive, massive part of, of the women's game and will always be fondly remembered for, for the work that she did, not only just on the field as well, but also obviously as a part of Sheffield United's um, uh, behind the scenes team as well. So, um, yeah, absolutely love thoughts and, and prayers going out to everyone uh, affected by by this. Right, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We'll be back on a Thursday. Yep, you've only got two days to wait, guys. Yeah, we just, we need to give you what you want. Do you know what I mean? We are back with our WSL preview. It's finally back. Come on, that's what we're all missing. More women's football. Whether this was your first listen or you've been with us from the very start and you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a five-star review. It really, really bloody helps the show. And if you haven't already, remember to subscribe so that you don't miss a thing this season remember you can now find us on instagram and twitter i'm at morgie underscore 89 rach is at girls on the ball and we are up up front underscore pod oh that is it's such a hard one to get out of that one you, you just said we're at up up front underscore at, pod. Up, up, that, that, we are at up front underscore pod yes you can also find us on youtube at up front pod see you in two days time Upfront is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.